June 11, 1962. As the prison inmates of Alcatraz slept peacefully in their beds, prison guards made their nightly rounds in the cell blocks. Little did they know, three inmates had successfully busted out from the iron grip of the prison walls and had set sail on a makeshift dinghy into the misty midnight air of the San Francisco Bay. Despite extensive searches in the immediate aftermath, as well as a decades-long manhunt for the escapees, no conclusive proof has ever emerged as to the fate of the three men. Did they make it to freedom, or did the Pacific Ocean become their final resting place? Friends, fellow restless and curious souls of the earth, truth is my king and I am his greatest warrior. My name is Nate and with me tonight is my co-host Ivan and together we're the super mystery bros. We both welcome you, our dear listener, to a podcast that has been called the Jeb Bush of podcasts, not because we're low energy or anything, but because we're slow and steady and have very few supporters. Ivan, what can people do to assist us on our shadowy flight into the unknown? Yeah, guys, subscribe to our, to our podcast on whatever app you used to listen to the podcast. Leave us a review, five stars, preferably. Tell your friend, your family, your cat, your dog, dog yeah. whatever, just whatever support you can give, you know? Yeah. And how can people get in contact with us if they want? Oh, We've got an email, supermysterybros at gmail.com. No, it's supermysterybrospodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. All right, say it, say it right this time. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> supermysterybrospodcast at gmail.com. That's yeah. our email. Cool. And look, guys, if you don't take Ivan's advice about leaving a rating and review, what we're probably going to do is we're going to plaster this show with annoying-ass Toyota ads and Carl's Jr. commercials. So you better do what Ivan says. All right, man. Um, are you ready to, to start talking about this mystery? Yeah, let's get it started. All right. Well, let's start off by talking a little bit about where this story all takes place. San Francisco, the city by the bay. It's a place world famous for its architecture, rich history, vibrant culture, and for being the number one place where hobos go to retire. Stop into the colorful Castro District for an afternoon mojito, a neighborhood which is known worldwide as arguably the most pro-LGBT place on the planet. A short walk north from there will take you to Haight-Ashbury, the birthplace of the 1960s counterculture movement, where you can still see many people there who keep the hippie movement alive. From Haight-Ashbury, why not head two miles northeast to the beautiful Tenderloin District, where if you're lucky, you'll emerge unstabbed, but not before you witness a haggard, Jerry Garcia-looking fellow take a dump on the sidewalk. 
If all this sightseeing happens to be making you hungry, why not head up another mile northeast and have some dim sum in Chinatown? Or if that's not your thing, you can head another three-quarter mile north to Fisherman's Wharf and watch a spectacular sunset over the Golden Gate Bridge while you eat some delicious seafood. As you look out over the bay from Fisherman's Wharf, you'll notice an island to the north with an ominous-looking building constructed on top of it. Behind the veneer of all of its surrounding physical beauty and vibrant culture lurks a dark and shadowy past, a past so heinous that in 1962, three men would hatch a convoluted plan and risk their very lives just to escape from it. Alcatraz. The name itself has become synonymous with an escapable hell. Now just a mere relic of the past. It has become just another travel destination, an excuse to sell boat tours and overpriced t-shirts to smart tourists. A shadow of its farmer self, it now sits as a national historic landmark, an oasis separated from the doo-doo covered and crime-infested streets of San Francisco by a body of water, known as the San Francisco Bay. However, during its heyday, the, this island was known for being home to the, one of the worst prisons in the United States, where the worst of the worst inmates and those with the highest risk of escape attempts were sent to. Right on, man. The following information comes directly from the Federal Bureau of Prisons, which we here at Super Mystery Bros believe is the best source of information on the history of this prison island. The name Alcatraz is derived from the Spanish Alcatraces, in 1775, the Spanish explorer Juan Manuel de, de Ayala, let's try that again. Juan Manuel de Ayala was the first to sail into what is now known as San Francisco Bay. His expedition mapped the bay and named one of the three islands Alcatraces. Over time, the name was anglicized to Alcatraz. While the exact meaning is still debated, Alcatraz is usually defined as meaning pelican or strange bird. In 1850, a presidential order set aside the island for possible use as a United States military reservation. The California gold rush, the resulting boom in the growth of San Francisco, and the need to protect San Francisco Bay led the U.S. Army to build a citadel at the top of the island in the early 1850s. The army also made plans to install more than 100 cannons on the island, making Alcatraz the most heavily fortified military site on the west coast. Together with Fort Point and Lime Point, Alcatraz formed a, quote, triangle of defense designed to protect the entrance to the bay. The island was also the site of the first operational lighthouse on the west coast of the United States. By the late 1850s, the first military prisoners were being housed on the island. While the defensive necessity of Alcatraz diminished over time, the island never fired its guns in battle, its role as a prison would continue for more than 100 years. In 1909, the army tore down the citadel, leaving its basement level to serve as the foundation for a new military prison. From 1909 through 1911, the military prisoners on Alcatraz built the new prison, which was designated the Pacific Branch, U.S. Disciplinary barracks for the U.S. Army. It was this prison building that later became famous as, quote, the Rock, end quote. The U.S. Army used the island for more than 80 years, from 1850 until 1933. Then the island was transferred to the U.S. Department of Justice for use by the Federal Bureau of Prisons. 
the federal government had decided to open a maximum security minimum privilege penitentiary to deal with the most incorrigible inmates in federal, federal prisons and to show the law-abiding public that the federal government was serious about stopping the rampant crime of the 1920s and 1930s. Although there were several very well-known criminals who had served stints at Alcatraz prison, most prisoners who were incarcerated in Alcatraz were not well-known or, or notorious names. Most of the inmates at Alcatraz were not necessarily the most dastardly or hardened evildoers, but rather were inmates who were considered to be the least conformist in other prisons, or were deemed to be the highest risk of committing an escape attempt. If a man couldn't behave himself, or conform to the rules of other prisons, he could be transferred to Alcatraz, where the highly structured and monotonous daily routine was designed to teach the inmates how to follow the rules. Once prison officials felt that an inmate no longer posed a threat, he could then be transferred back to the regular federal prison. Although Alcatraz had a maximum capacity of 336 prisoners, it never once in its entire history reached this limit. Despite its notorious reputation, the living conditions in Alcatraz were actually considered to be decent in comparison to other federal prisons. A handful of other federal prison inmates had actually requested to be transferred to Alcatraz due to the better conditions. Over its 29-year history of op operation, from 1934 to 1963, the prison had a total of 14 escape attempts involving 36 inmates, involving two whom had, tr had tried to escape twice. Of these 36 men, 23 were caught, 6 were shot and killed, and 2 drowned in the notoriously frigid waters of the San Francisco Bay. Two of the men who were caught were executed in the gas chamber of San Quentin for their role in the murder of a correctional officer during their May 1946 escape attempt. Five of these men are considered to be missing and presumed drowned. With a record like this, some would call Alcatraz the Mike Tyson of prison complexes. However, regarding three of these men, there may be reason to believe that they had successfully survived their journey across the frigid San Francisco Bay, only to have made it to shore on the mainland, disappearing forever to start new lives and giving a giant middle finger to the U.S. criminal justice system. A man by the name of Frank Morris, who was convicted of bank robbery, burglary and other crimes, arrived at Alcatraz in January of 1960. Described as being highly intelligent with IQ of 133, Frank Morris was transferred to Alcatraz after repeated escape attempts from other various prisons that, ha that he had been incarcerated in. Known as prisoner AZ-1441, Morris was a professional inmate having served a large portion of his life behind bars since age 13. Born in Washington, D.C. on September 1, 1926, his early life is shrouded in mystery. But what is known is that he was orphaned at age 11 and sent to live in a foster home. He turned to a life of crime at an early age and became a career criminal, eventually ending up in Alcatraz when he was 33. Brothers John and Clarence Anglin, born in 1930 and 1931 respectively, apparently knew Frank Morris while previously incarcerated in Florida, and had arrived in Alcatraz in October 1960 and January 1961 respectively. Born into a family of 13 children in Donaldsonville, Georgia, 
To parents who are seasonal farm workers, the family moved to Ruskin, Florida, which is 20 miles south of Tampa. Every June, the family would move to Michigan to pick berries. The two were inseparable as children, being only about a year apart in age. Both being seasoned bank robbers by the time they reached their 20s, their luck ran out when they were caught and arrested after robbing the Bank of Columbia in Columbia, Alabama. They were both sent to Alcatraz after attempting escape from Leavenworth Prison in Kansas, where they were reunited with Frank Morris. Alan West, the fourth conspirator, was born in New York City in 1929. He was convicted of carjacking and sent to prison in Florida. He too knew both the Anglin brothers and Frank Morris while serving time with them in other prisons, and after making an escape attempt of his own, was sent to Alcatraz in 1957. According to information found on the FBI website, in December 1960, the group of four men had begun making plans for their escape, then one of them stumbled upon some old saw blades. Using crude tools, including homemade drill made from the motor of the broken vacuum cleaner, they loosened the air vents in the cells by drilling closely spaced holes around the covers so that the entire section of the wall could be removed. Once through, they hid the holes with whatever they could, a suitcase, a piece of cardboard, and so on. Over the course of 18 months, they had chiseled through walls with spoons and other kitchen utensils. Behind the cells was a common, unguarded utility corridor. The men made their way down this corridor and climbed to the roof of their cell block inside the building, where they set up a secret workshop. There, they would take turns keeping watch for guards in the evening before the last headcount, for which they had constructed a crude periscope and used a variety of stolen and donated materials to hide what they needed to escape. More than 50 raincoats that they stole or gathered were turned into makeshift life preservers and a 6 by 14 foot rubber raft with the seams carefully stitched together and vulcanized by the hot steam pipes in the prison. So this idea came from magazines that were found in the prisoner cells. They also built wooden paddles and converted a concertina into a tool to inflate the raft. So a concertina, it's kind of like an accordion. Don't buy one, they suck. At the same time, they were looking for a way out of the building. The ceiling was a good 30 feet high, but using a network of pipes, they climbed up and eventually pried open the ventilator at the top of the shaft. They kept it in place temporarily by fashioning a fake bolt out of soap. The plan, once ready, was for the four men to plant decoy heads that each of them constructed out of paper mache and other random materials and molded to look as close to them as possible. They were complete with real hair taken from the barber shop and painted with flesh color paint. So when the prison guard did their rounds, no alarm would be raised as it would look like they were still in their beds. They would then each get to work removing the ventilation grills from their cells, crawl through the spaces, meet the cor in the corridor before climbing up onto the roof, before climbing down with their makeshift raft and making their escape from the north shore of the island. From there, they would try to paddle their way to Angel Island, which is about 1.7 miles away at its closest point, before then swimming from Angel Island across the Raccoon Strait, which runs on the northwest side of Angel Island, separated it from the mainland. From there, the plan was to steal clothes and the car to complete their escape. 
Yeah, dude. I just I want to say that this plan sounds fucking insane. It it doesn't even sound like a plan to me. What it sounds like is a fucking suicide mission. And but bear in mind that all of this is according to Alan West, who has a motive to lie. So we'll get into that a bit later. On June 11th, 1962, their plan was ready. That night, the men enacted their plan. After lights out, they each began by removing their wall vents. However, Alan West was not able to get through the ventilation hole. The cement he used to seal the edges of the vent had hardened and narrowed the opening, leaving him too big to fit through. Whatever the case, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on what you believe, the other three men had to leave him behind before he could widen the hole, and they made their way up to the prison roof, shimmied down the bakery smokestack at the rear of the cell house, climbed over two barbed wire fences, and snuck onto the shore of the island, where they launched their raft and disappeared into the frigid waters of the San Francisco Bay, never to be seen or heard from again, allegedly. On the morning of June 12, which was the very next day, the prison staff conducted their normal routine check of the inmate beds when they discovered that three convicts were not in their cells. Their beds were instead occupied by fake heads made of plaster, and this had successfully fooled the night guards into thinking they were fast asleep in their beds. The prison immediately went into lockdown, and one of the largest manhunts in U.S. history went underway. Within two days, a packet of letters, photos, and contacts sealed in rubber and belonging to the Anglin brothers was recovered. Later, some paddle-like pieces of wood and bits of rubber inner tube were found in the water. A homemade life vest was also discovered washed up on Cronkite Beach, but extensive searches did not turn up any other items in the area. No trace of any of the men were found. Tests done by the FBI on the unused life vest found on the roof of Alcatraz, which was supposed to be Alan West's life vest, along with two life vests found in the bay by authorities, concluded that they all held their buoyancy enough to have been used successfully. On June 18th, just a week after the escape, a postcard addressed to the warden of Alcatraz arrived in the prison mail, which stated, Ha ha! We made it! And allegedly was signed by all three of the escapees. Escapees! The authenticity of this postcard has been debated for decades, and it is still not conclusive as to whether or not it was sent by Morris and the Angling brothers. If authentic, this postcard would arguably be the biggest na 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 boo boo to the criminal justice system of all time. So something confusing that we found while researching this case is that the FBI's own website says that Alan West, when discussing their plan with authorities, told them that the plan was to steal clothes in a car once they got to land, but no thefts like this in the area were uncovered by the FBI. But in an article by the Los Angeles Times from June of this year, 2022, they reported that Mike Dyke of the U.S. Marshal Service told CBS News that there was a car that was stolen in Marin County that night by three men who later nearly ran a car off the road in the Central Valley of California. So it's hard to know what to believe here. So who do you believe, the FBI or Mike Dyke of the U.S. Marshal Service? So another thing that should be said is that in 2011, a National Geographic Channel documentary entitled Vanished from Alcatraz 
reported that contrary to the official FBI report, a, de a deflated raft was discovered on Angel Island on June 12th, 1962, which was the day after the escape, with footprints leading away from it. So Ivan and I, we both watched this documentary and they do show this document um, that reports this. So it is weird that the FBI disputes this. About a month after the escape, a Norwegian freighter spotted a body with blue clothing floating near Golden Gate Bridge, but the crew was unable to retrieve it. However, the crew of this fr freighter did not report this until October, about three months after they had seen the body. They described the body as wearing a navy pea coat and light-colored trousers, similar to what Alcatraz prisoners wore. Mike Dyke said, Mike Dyke said he believes at least one or two bodies should have washed up if all three men had drowned. If only one did, he bets that it's Morris. Quote, because the brothers definitely would have saved each other. End quote. Yeah, dude, I, I do find it odd that if all the men drowned, one didn't wash up on shore when all this other shit did, like the paddles and all the other, like the bits of the raft and the life preservers. By March 21st, 1963, Alcatraz prison finally closed down forever. Contrary to popular belief, the prison's closure had nothing to do with the escaped inmates. The ball was already rolling to close Alcatraz long before that. Due to high cost of operating the prison, an average of $10 per inmate per day on Alcatraz versus an average of $3 per inmate per day on the mainland. The FBI worked the case until 1978 before closing it, having concluded that all the men probably drowned in the San Francisco Bay, having regretted their decision as they were being dragged down into Davy Jones' locker with presumably extremely wet and salty clothing. After closing the case, the FBI handed it over to the U.S. Marshal Service to work on in the slim chance that they actually survived and are still out there somewhere in the ether. All right, man, let's talk about some of the evidence that may show that they survived. According to the Los Angeles Times, then Clarence and John Anglin's mother died in 1978. Two men, disguised as women, attended her Florida funeral, despite a swarm of FBI agents nearby. Flowers had been arriving at their childhood home, reliably, on special occasions, with no card attached to them. In 2003, popular television show Mythbusters tested the theory that the men could have made it, could have made the journey. They constructed their own raft using similar materials and concluded that it could have been done. Yeah, dude, I actually, I remember watching this show when I was probably a teenager and seeing this one on TV. And yeah, I remember they, they actually were able to sail across the bay. So it's important to note also that John and Clarence Anglin were strong swimmers and reportedly used to impress their family by swimming in Lake Michigan while ice was still floating on the surface of it. Fucking show, show offs, man. <laughs> this could speak to their fortitude and ability to make the journey across the San Francisco Bay, even if swimming had to be involved. 
So according to an article from NBC News from back in 2012, they reported that, quote, a statistical perspective also lends authority to the idea that at least one or two of the escapees survived the treacherous bay crossing because the bodies of two out of every three people who go missing in San Francisco Bay are recovered, end quote. So one thing I wanted to say is that I think that this is an oversimplification because I think that, yeah, statistically on sort of a macro scale, three people who go missing in the bay in separate locations at separate times, two of them will be found statistically. But I think if they all disappeared from around the same location at the same time, I don't think that they're going to just start floating in separate directions. And I think that they're going to all travel together with the current more likely than not. Do you understand what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I took from that. In 2015, a History Channel special entitled Alcatraz, Search for the Truth, aired. In the special, two nephews of John and Clarence Angling shared a photograph. In the photo, two middle-aged men, one with brown hair and the other with blonder hair, both wearing sunglasses, were standing next to a termite mound. The claim is that these two men in the photo were John and Clarence Anglin in Brazil in 1975, a man by the name of Fred Breezy, who was a friend of Anglin family, claimed to have bumped into John and Clarence Anglin in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, in 1975. According to the claim, Fred Breezy passed the photo to the Anglin family back in US, who had kept it under the wraps until the 2015 program. Okay, so... For this entire story, to me, it kind of smells like bullshit. So what are the odds that some guy that just knows them happens to just randomly bump into them? And these two long lost fugitives just randomly in Rio de Janeiro. One in a million, uh, man. I mean, dude, I know it's not impossible, but how fucking likely is it that anyone would just make a trip into a foreign country and just randomly bump into somebody that they knew, let alone these two high-profile fugitives that they once knew in the past. It, to me, it's just, it's so unlikely. Not impossible, but just so fucking unlikely. Is it possible that he actually went to meet them? I mean... I guess. Yeah, that is another way of looking at it. And then it. he just said, oh, you know, I just... Yeah, I just happened, I just happened randomly. to meet the... Meet Whoa, the what are you guys doing? <laughs> what are you guys doing here? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess you could be right. But he just didn't mention it to the uh, documentary. Yeah, to pre preserve because his... Because it would uh, be like freaking weird, you know? Yeah. It would mean that he actually knew that they're free and just hanging out in Brazil. It would kind of jeopardize his reputation in a way, I guess. Yeah, or he could be criminal li criminally liable for, yes, yes, for that, that's aiding what I mean. them. That's what I mean. Yeah, that, that you could be right. So in 2020, in a demonstration of their new AI facial recognition technology... IDEN TV, along with Irish agency Rothko, developed a campaign to determine whether or not the two subjects in this photograph were John and Clarence England. Over the course of several months, they meticulously analyzed the original photograph of the two men allegedly taken in Brazil in 1975. Using deep neural network techniques, they fed pictures of the men's faces, as well as faces of many other people, into an algorithm in order to enable to distinguish different facial features with higher accuracy. This allowed experts to generate a mathematical fingerprint describing in detail the visual aspects of specific human faces. 
Iden TV chief AI scientist Mark Hughes said, quote, we then compare this facial fingerprint to other fingerprints we have in a database to generate a match similar to how today's police fingerprinting matching system works, end quote. The results of the AI facial recognition project determined that, with high probability, the two men were in fact John and Clarence Anglin. Quote, short of obtaining DNA proof, there will always be a room for a mystery. End quote. Rodco Creative Chief Alan Cayley said, quote, But as far as technology is concerned, the prisoners made it. End quote. In- so- Hold on, just before you continue here, um, I think that it, it's hard to argue with AI here, man. But it's just that something here smells fishy. I'm not sure if it's the AI that's wrong or if the story is bullshit. But something just it doesn't sit right with me. I I just I don't. I think that either Fred Brizzy is lying, and the AI company is wrong, or. Man, I don't know what to what to make of this. What do you think? Would you because we don't really know. We're not AI experts. Do you think that a, an AI deep learning machine would make a mistake like this? Because did you actually see the photo that that they're talking about of these two men standing near the termite mound? I think I've seen it, but it's like I I, I don't remember. I mean, it, basically, it's it's allegedly taken in 1975. How, how was the quality of the photo? I mean, I don't know how they can how they can uh, make I a think determination it was kind of on overexposed it. or something. If I remember no, correctly, no, I, I don't it, know. it wasn't overexposed. It was just it was just a little bit blurry because it's an old old camera, and um, the men in the photo they're I don't know fifteen years older probably at this point, and I mean they're older, and not only are they older, but their their sunglasses are hiding their their eyes. Mm. So I just I don't know whether or not we can trust this determination or if maybe this company might have put this out uh for for publicity around for for their own yeah it's like it's like free publicity for their company and there is no way to prove it too so yeah i mean i'm not i'm not saying that it's bullshit or not but i mean i am really skeptical of of this claim in 2013 a handwritten letter alleged to have come from john angling arrived at the Richmond police station in San Francisco. The letter reads reads as follows. My name is John Allen. I escaped from Alcatraz in June 1962 with my brother Clarence and Frank Morris. I am 83 years old and in the best shape. I have a cancer. Yes, we all made it that night, but barely. Frank passed away in October 2005. His grave is in Alexandria under another name. My brother died in 2011. If you announce on TV that I will be promised to first go to jail for no more than a year and get medical attention. I'll write back to let you know exactly where I am. This is no joke. 
this is for real and uh, honest truth. I could tell you that for seven years I lived in Minot, North Dakota, in Fargo, 1990 to 2005, but two them cold had to get the hell out. I lived in Seattle for most of my years after the escape. I'm in South California now. Eligible. If. Response. Wow, man, that's big if true. So let's go over some of the evidence to show that they might not have made it. So the sheer distance that they would have had to paddle, it was about 1.7 miles journey minimum over cold, treacherous waters that had a strong current. According to Bass.org, the currents in San Francisco Bay can be as strong as six knots in certain areas. As a recreational paddler, you paddle at about three knots or four knots if you're racing or terrified. Travelsafeabroad.com reports that San Francisco Bay is known for strong rip currents that form off the beaches, making them unsafe for swimming. The most dangerous is Ocean Beach, which is on the southwest side of the Golden Gate Bridge. From Ocean Beach and Angel Beach, Angel Beach actually being the place that the inmates plan to paddle to, it's easy to get swept out to sea. According to GetAnyAnswer.net contributor Maria Ackerman, the water in San Francisco Bay is very cold. Quote, First, the California current brings cold water from Alaska southward along the coast. Second, cold water from the deep ocean comes up to the surface through the process called upwelling. End quote. The water around Alcatraz varies between 49 Fahrenheit and 56 Fahrenheit throughout the year. At these temperatures, death can occur in as little as one to three hours. All right, so to me, the biggest piece of evidence that shows that they didn't make it is just the simple fact that they never turned up again anywhere. I mean, dude, these were three lifelong criminals, and they had been committing crimes and just going in and out of prison their entire life. I mean, since they were kids. Um, and I just think that to suggest that these guys just went on the straight and narrow and and lived a normal, just above the board kind of life afterward is it's kind of far fetched to me. And I'm not sure what the odds of that would be. But I mean, dude, I would think it would be extremely low uh, that they just wouldn't turn up again somewhere just committing some some dumbass crime like petty larceny or fraud or something. But I would say that, man, maybe the escape from Alcatraz was kind of, you know, life-changing experience for them. It's 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 once in a lifetime. Kind I, of thing, dude, you know? no, I I I agree with you, and and I think on an individual level that's true. But when you get three different people involved, I think that lowers the odds that they would all have this sort of life-changing experience. But some of them might have died. Yeah, I mean, we'll go into it yeah, when yeah, we yeah, when we yeah. talk about it later. So. All right, man, let's talk about evidence that could go either way. In 2014 article from Sky News, they reported that Dutch scientists at Delft University and Deltares Research Institute... Del... Deltares? Deltares? I, 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 Delt, I don't know. Sounds it's Dutch. Me, it's man. Dutch. Sounds good to me. 
Will recording? In 2014 article from Sky News, they reported that Dutch scientists at Delft University and the Deltaris Research Institute in the Netherlands were developing a model of San Francisco Bay to study the impact of rising sea levels. When they realized it could also shed light on one of the United States' most intriguing mysteries. Fedor Bard, a hydraulic engineer and deltaris, said, quote, The simulations show that if prisoners left before 11 p.m., they would have had absolutely no chance of surviving. Man, I keep on doing this, end quote. He went on to say, quote, Strong currents would have taken them out to the sea. However, if they left between 11 p.m. and midnight, there is a good chance that they have reached Horseshoe Bay north of the Golden Gate Bridge, end quote. He went on to say, quote, The model predicts that any debris would then float back into the bay in the direction of Angel Island, exactly where the FBI found the paddle and some personal belongings, end quote. Ralph Hutt, a researcher at Delft University of Technology, added, quote, Of course, this doesn't prove this was what really happened. But the latest and best hydraulic modeling information indicates that it was certainly possible. End quote. Yeah, so I think that this can be used for either argument, honestly. So I think that it's important to note here that the alleged time that they escaped from their cells was 1030. Um, and that's an extremely short window that the Dutch researchers provided. So I think if their research was exactly precise, it's hard to know at exact at exactly what time they would have been able to launch their raft. And according to them, before 11 would have been a death sentence, but after 11 would have been plausible for the men to have made the journey successfully. I mean, dude, the the error, like the margin of error here is so thin and it's hard to know at exactly what time they would have been able to launch their raft because they left at 10.30. Do you think they could get over that fence out of their cells and over that fence in 30 minutes? I'm not sure. I think that would... And, and also, they'd, they would have had to have inflated their raft within that 30 minutes. I think... I mean, if they were if they were super fast, that could have been a death sentence. But you have to you have to think, man... Could they have done it? Could they have inflated this raft, gotten okay, out of their cells, onto the roof, down the roof, over the two fences, onto the shore, getting the the raft inflated? Do you think they could have done that in 30 it, minutes? It, it's it, it sounds like yeah, if they hauled ass, they could have done it. But then, you know, oh man, I don't know. Is there any way in any way that they could have known about the, the currents or something? Is there any way that... Ah, dude, that's hard to say, but I kind but, of doubt uh, it. it. It might be possible. It might be possible, but... Well... How would they know? I don't know, but... Maybe... Did, do you know if they had, like, windows? And I know they had magazines. They had, like... They had access to magazines and stuff, and they were learning about all kinds... That said, the way that they learned how to make those life preservers is through magazines that they had access to. So... It's hard to know... If they would have known anything about ocean currents and tides, it, it, it is I, possible. Possible, but 
Possible, yes, but <clears throat> in my mind, a little unlikely. I think that they they were going to roll the dice. But the thing about the half an hour, even if they, you know, they probably were running like like the devil was behind them, if, if there is such expression or something. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I guess they were running really fast and trying to do it as fast as they can, if they didn't know about the currents and shit. Yeah. But even even if they tried really hard to to do it as fast as they can, probably like it would have taken them 15 minutes or something. I mean, 50, and and then but then you have to think about how long it's going to take them to blow up a raft with a concertina. God, dude. Oh, yeah. That, that would be time. that would take But I uh, I I mean even if you take 15 minutes or or or, or so and then you you get all this currents and shit, probably they 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 could have fought the currents for 15 minutes. Yeah, dude. There's so there's so many I mean, uh, I, I, there's so I mean, many, if it's the case with the current. Yeah, there's so many unknowns here, man. It's, it's so, it's so hard to know because it's like every, every piece of evidence can be argued from either side, whether they made it or not. Do you know what I mean? Like every piece of evidence that I've come across, there's a supporting argument to be made as to whether they it, that caused them to make it or not make it. Yeah, even the last one. You, yeah, it's because like it's such after, a it's such a 11, thin window. It's possible between eleven and midnight, and it, it just might have been the exact time. To me, that's like a, a roll of the dice, whether or not they made it to the sh they they went to the the north shore of the island before eleven or after eleven. It's that's a dice roll. Wait, to I me. forgot how how do they know that they actually escaped started the escape at ten thirty? The the other guy told the. the I FBI. think it was John Anglin, and I I think that's also um when lights out were. Lights out. It, as so soon as again, lights out happened, I think, or shortly after lights out. I don't know, but for somehow they they determined that it but, was ten thirty. But, but I think you made a good argument about inflating the uh, the self made boat with the yeah. What, it's gonna take some time that you don't like. The concertina. Concertina. Yes, yeah. it, it's gotta take time and shit. It's yeah. I I have never done it, but I mean. From, I can only imagine how long that would fucking take, dude. From, a six foot by fourteen foot raft with a concertina. From my experience of on in, inflating the the freaking ma air mattresses, you know, <laughs> with, with the small yeah, yeah. freaking pump, it takes forever, man. You're just like, <laughs> and you you gotta spend at least ten minutes, and that the pump is supposed to be. So let, let's like that, assume right? that let's assume that it was at ten thirty, right? Let's assume they left their cells at 10.30. How long do you think it would take them to get up onto the roof, collect all of their shit, get down the side of the building, over those two fences, onto the shore, and getting that raft pumped up? Seven I mean, minutes? dude, I, I think I think that would take longer than 30 minutes to me. No, I, I, I mean, to get to the roof and then get down. No, I just like mean, I mean from start to, to getting the raft to a seaworthy condition. Yeah. I think that would take longer than 30 minutes. But, but I, it's... It's uh -huh. also it's also a matter of do you trust the researchers the Dutch researchers in in this instance? Yeah, do you I think, think that can there's the, the, can you the, can you trust them to to be that accurate though? I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that it's bullshit or anything. I'm just saying can you trust them? Can you trust the data? I'm not yeah, sure. there there is always a margin of error, right? Yeah, there there is always some margin of error, uh, error. and maybe. With time and the temperature, it, 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 like some, the, the currents might have changed slightly. Yeah. Because of that too. The, because, because of the global warming or whatever <laughs> shit, you know. 
Yeah, many, you gotta factor in many many things, I think. So maybe, but I, but but what I think of is it's it's just so it's so over my head, man. Like I, this whole thing is so over my head that I I kind of don't have a strong opinion on it because it's not my field. I don't know anything about this, and I I don't know whether the data can be trusted or not trusted. So, but if it can be trusted, and if it's relatively accurate with the like a small margin of error just imagine how lucky they were if they actually made it man it's just like yeah what the actual hell 10 minutes before guys <laughs> and you would be just well i, done, I think the, dude I, I think it's i think it's about time for us to go over our final thoughts on this case do you do you want me to start yeah you, you start, start first, first. all right yeah because you you went you went first last time so all right man so Feel free to stop me at any time if you have questions. So to me, I find it really weird that most of the information that the FBI released supports the conclusion that they want to push, which is that the men most likely drowned while attempting to cross the bay. They report that shreds of the of the raft were found, but that recent uncovered report um, that we saw on the, the documentary um says that the raft was found on Angel Island. Do you remember seeing that? Yeah. And then if the U.S. Marshal Service is right and the FBI is either wrong or they're just lying, footprints were also found leading away from the raft. So that's not to say that I believe that the men survived, but I think that the next leg of their journey would have been more dangerous. So if you believe Alan West, they were actually planning to swim across the Raccoon Strait which is actually an entire kilometer across. And this is after they would have already been exhausted and cold as it was. So when it comes to what seems to be dozens, if not hundreds of people who claim to have either seen the, the men since, or they've claimed to have aided them in the escape, um, or they claim to know where they are. I just, I don't believe a single one of them, man. Um, the fact that this many people have come forward over the years with these crazy claims that they all conflict with each other, it just tells me that it's probably all just noise and they obviously can't all be telling the truth. So some say they went to Florida, some say they went to Brazil, some say to fucking God knows where, dude. Um, and the family, they have this incentive to tell all these tall tales. And I mean, dude, even my own family has told tall tales about itself. And I think that every family has. And it's just ego. Everybody wants to feel more important than they really are. And having a family legend like this just strokes the ego really well. And getting other people to think that your relatives are these fucking legendary prison escapees... Um, it just strokes the ego, dude. And just, I mean, dude, having relatives that are just chilling on a beach in South America, drinking margaritas or whatever it is that they drink down there. I, it's just, it's legendary. And I think that it's a really fascinating, fascinating story. Uh, and the idea of these men still potentially being out there to this day is somewhat appealing to people. But the other thing that points me away from believing that they survived is that 
these were three hardened criminals who knew nothing else but a life of crime. And none of them had any marketable skills beyond just being criminals. And I think that three of these men together, I just don't think that three of these men together would have managed to have stayed out of trouble for the rest of their lives. I think maybe Frank Morris would have been able to, seeing as that he had this high IQ, but I don't see these other two as having this galaxy brain that Robert Morris had. And I think that if they, if they survived, I think that it's more likely that they would have, at least one of them would have turned up by now. Um, I mean, dude, the idea that these guys just went down to Brazil and they reinvented themselves as farmers down there, I think is just, I think it's fucking asinine. So, I mean, dude, I would love to believe that these three men got away and are just, they spent the rest of their lives in Brazil, just, you know, drinking margaritas or some shit. I mean, the idea of that appeals to me even, but is it realistic? I don't think it's realistic. Um, I mean, dude, you're, you're big into psychology. Um, I just, I don't think that I don't think that men like this are going to change, especially not in their 30s. I mean, they, they were criminals since they were preteens. I mean, they were. Yeah, I just I don't see them being able to change their ways um, in as soon as they get out of Alcatraz or in their 30s. Well, they never got caught again. Yeah, but dude, three of these men living a life of crime, eventually one of them is going to get caught. At least in my opinion, on a long enough timeline, they're going to get caught. Um, so that's that's my argument for why they probably uh, they probably didn't make it. And then also, I want to address that the the picture of the two men in Brazil that was taken around 1975. Um, to me, it looks like they could be anybody. They just look like two middle-aged men. And on top of it, they're just wearing sunglasses and they got long hair. Um, I just don't know how much stock that we can put in that, that AI, that AI deep learning analysis or whatever it was that analyzed their faces because that photograph was, to me, it was too blurry and they they have sunglasses. They're 15 years older. I just, I don't know how much stock we can put into it. Um, I just think that this case, there's just so many different rabbit holes that you can dive down. And I think it's just, it's important to stay focused and just grounded on what the facts are in the case and to not just pursue different avenues to where you're just, you're just looking for reasons to believe that you're looking for reasons to believe the outcome that you want to believe. Um, I mean, dude, I personally, I would love to believe that all of them, or at least one of them successfully escaped alive and, they just lived a fucking happily ever after on some beautiful beach somewhere like, you know, Shawshank Redemption style. But I I just know that these these were bad dudes. They, I mean, not the, the worst of the worst, really. They were but they were still pretty bad. And I think it's it still makes for a better story if, if they survived. But at the end of the day, I think that if you weigh all the evidence, I think that it's more likely that they did drown. Um I mean, dude, if not on their way to Angel Island, then almost certainly if they try to make a swim across the Raccoon Strait, it 
it just seemed like a fucking suicide mission to me. Uh, even if they had made it to Angel Island, that journey alone. I mean, dude, it would have been exhausting. And then once on the island, having to jump right back in the water and swim another kilometer. Oh, dude, I just I think it's much more likely that they died that night. Um, I mean, I can't be certain that they're dead or that they died rather but I think there's still there. I mean, there's still a lot of reasonable doubt here. So I'm, I'm not certain that they're, that they all, that they all died that night, but there's certain things about this case that have me questioning my own conclusion. Like the fact that no bodies were found except by the Norwegian freighter. Um, but I think that even, even that's far from certain because did, lots did you say in the documentary that it wasn't him. Um, well, the not the Norwegian freighter. They they found another body on the shore that oh, might have okay. been, but they they dug him up and determined it wasn't oh, any of the men. Okay, I thought, I thought it was. Yeah, but so I didn't want to include it because it's just it's just a distraction. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when it comes to the Norwegian freighter that spotted the body, I think it's it's po it's definitely within the realm of possibility that it was one of those men. Um, but, uh, but on the other hand, it could have been anyone else either because lots of people commit suicide by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. It's, it's world famous for being a suicide destination. So lots of people jump from the, from the Golden Gate Bridge. But anyway, like I said, man, I would say I'm only like 70% sure that they died, but there's still that, that 30% chance in my brain that they actually made it. Um, one of the reasons for this 30% that I have that's still nagging is I kind of believe that Alan West would cover for his conspirators, his fellow conspirators. I think that he would have, he would have full loyalty towards, towards the men that he was, mm -hmm. he was helping to, he was going to escape with. I think, I don't think that he would, he would rat them out. So I think it's definitely possible that, um, Alan West um, misled the investigators. Maybe he didn't tell them their full plan. Maybe, maybe he told them their plan up to where they launched the raft, but then made up all this bullshit about which direction they were heading. Um, I mean, dude, I think it's possible that they might've even arranged a boat to pick them up in the middle of the, the, the bay. And, the reason why they were hauling ass and, tr and they left Alan West behind was because their boat was going to leave their, whatever their ride was, was going to leave. And I think that's part of this nagging 30% chance to me is like, well, dude, I think that Frank Morris would have been, it's hard for me to believe that he would have been dumb enough to try to swim across a raccoon Strait. But I mean, dude, I don't know. Um, I just think it's reckless bordering on suicide to do that. So yeah, dude, that's that's kind of my thoughts. But the last thing I wanted to go over was the the handwriting on the the notes that came in, both the postcard and the 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 handwriting on the what was it, the letter? Handwriting on the letter from mm -hmm. the the older, allegedly older John Anglin. So I actually I compared the 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 handwriting based on known samples of John Anglin's handwriting. So John Anglin's handwriting the way I would describe it, it's very, very neat and meticulous cursive handwriting. 
And one thing that he does is that he crosses his lowercase t's up high, uh, like above the body of the t. So it's almost like a like a capital T, even though it's supposed to be a lowercase t. Um, which these these similar t's show up on this postcard that says uh, "haha, we made it," but the rest of the handwriting kind of doesn't match, and it's it's kind of weird. I'm not sure what to make of it. So to me, the postcard is inconclusive. I'm not, I'm not so sure. But then this, this letter that came in from an allegedly 83-year-old John Anglin, I compared the handwriting to samples of his handwriting from when he was a prisoner compared to when he was 83. And to me, it doesn't match at all. Like the way he crosses his T's are, are completely different. Um, he crosses his lowercase T's in this, this new letter from 2013 like a normal person does, like through the middle of the the body of the T rather than way up high like he does when he was in prison. So just to sum it up, I don't believe the the 83-year-old John Anglin letter. I think that was a hoax. And as for the postcard, to me, inconclusive. So yeah, man, that's that's what I think. I, I think that it's it's more likely that they they died. But, how about how about you? Uh, what, I, or do you have any I, questions? I have, I have a question before okay. we before we start. Okay. Before I start, the question is why? It, maybe it's an obvious question, but why would you like to believe that they made it, dude? Because man, it, it's it's such a cool story. If if they made it, it's it's like Shawshank Redemption in real life. I mean, I know. But, it, you know, in the movie, the Shawshank Redemption guys were actually innocent. But I think that these guys were, they were pretty bad dudes. And yeah, but I think it makes for a better story. And I think that, I don't know how it is in Russia, but there's some weird fascination in American culture where we just, we have sympathy for bank robbers almost, at least like the classical bank robbers, not these guys who go in and like rob a teller and run away like nowadays, but like the, the classic bank robbers, like the old West bank robbers all the way up to like the thirties, we have this like romantic romanticization of them. So I don't know, man, it's just the little guy getting away with sticking his middle finger up to the man, so to speak. That's, <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of what's, what's appealing about the story. If, if they made it. Yeah. But I have to put my emotions aside and weigh weigh just the facts. And I think the biggest reason why I don't believe that they made it is because they never turned up again. And I mean, just the idea that these guys would would uh, escape Alcatraz and just start living on the straight and narrow and getting a job at Walmart or something <laughs> just I think is asinine to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. What about you? Good, good, good points. Good points. Uh, I I actually don't know where to start because this story kind of, in a way, stroke many chords in my soul. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like this. The, the the thing that it's a kind of story. I mean, I don't want to sound corny or something, but it, I think it's a story of the 
uh, strength of the human spirit and it's kind of intrinsic desire for freedom and stuff like that because you know yeah those guys against all odds you know they were just like digging these freaking holes to Dude, get out i mean macgyver has do you know who macgyver is have you heard of macgyver no okay well anyway macgyver's got nothing on these guys like anyway um sorry I, I lost my train of thought what were you saying yeah i'm just saying that they went all in against the lords they probably knew that the the chances of escape is like close to zero and in in their mind i think oh it 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 it, it, it might have been like a big big thing in their mind like like the barrier of sorts you know they yeah they're, they're, they're supposed to be i think they're do I live in this mundane hell day after day where every day is the fucking same? Or do I risk it all, roll the dice, and, and try to get and out the chances are like on my own terms? One to the million that they all made it because it's 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 impossible. I, I, I think I think it would have been I think their odds would have been better than one in a million. No, but, but I mean But you you do have a point. Um where yeah, like the I don't I don't think the odds were in their favor. To, to then you constantly live on the pressure in the allegedly world most secure prison. Yeah. And you're like... No, we'll see about that. We'll see about and, that. And you're like, oh, I don't care. I'm kind of, you know, big, bigger than that. And that, <laughs> that, that, that really, that really uh, 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 appeal, appeals to me, man. I think I, I really love uh, this aspect of this story. But then... Also, then, then you said that they were good swimmers. Well, the John and Ang John and Clarence Anglin were allegedly both very strong swimmers, but very strong swimmers. But Frank Morris was not a strong swimmer, uh, from what I read. He he could swim. I, I I believe he could swim, but he was not a strong swimmer. But you have to also keep in mind that that's why they built those life preservers. So they had this this six foot by 14 foot raft that they made out mm -hmm. of those raincoats but also they constructed life preservers you mean like fit around yeah 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 exactly oh. so i mean they found bits and pieces of them um floating in in the in the bay um did we also mention that they found those those that contact information sealed in this like rubber contraption that the anglins it, it contained like all their family photos and uh, addresses to their family and contact info that was found either f I think it was found floating in the bay okay but in in my opinion I think that there there could be an argument to be made that they planted it there to make it look like they died when they in fact so, got away so but they, but they, they they got like uh, life jackets of sorts right yeah exactly yeah two guys for good swimmers another one just so so probably okay so, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, I would say so so and and also if you look at the in in the documentary they they showed like those swimmers who who just swum across mm -hmm. the the bay to Alcatraz. Yeah. I mean, I mean they were, most of them probably trained for it yeah, and exactly. stuff like that. But they covered the whole distance, not allegedly just the the raccoon. Oh yeah, yeah. Plenty of people have done it. It's just you have to keep in mind, man. These were prisoners. They were probably malnourished. Maybe, I don't know if you can call them malnourished, but they weren't well fed, I, I would assume. Um, they probably didn't get a whole lot of exercise in there. I've, I mean, Frank Morris, not a strong swimmer, 
35. I mean, dude, he's right around my age. But you got to factor in that they were not regular, usual prisoners, man. (laughs) Those guys were like crazy. Yeah, yeah, but not athletically so. I don't think you can you can make up for the athletic part of this this journey that they were going to make. Yeah, but life jacket plus the average swimming ability, maybe. Yeah, but a life jacket's not going to help you swim faster. It's, I mean, that water is cold as fuck, and if you're not prepared for it, how long? How fucked. long do you think it's going to take you to cross the? How long does it take one to cross the raccoon? Raccoon what? Raccoon trail? However long it takes to swim a kilometer, I don't know. How long does it take to swim a kilometer? But then, then again, though, it's also, do you believe Alan West's story? Because to me, I, I'm a little bit skeptical of Alan West's story here because I think that he would have, there's a high possibility that he would have misled the authorities um, as to what their actual plan was. I think that he would have easily given up the information that they would have easily been yeah. able to figure out on their own. But then also adding in lies at the end of it mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. misdirect them. Because when I think about this story, they were going to sail this this raft to Angel Island, run across the island, and then swim another kilometer across the street. Like, what the fuck? This sounds like a, a suicide mission to me. And I just, I don't think that Frank Morris would have done that. Part of at least part of me you mean, doubts it. What? Why they wouldn't just continue swimming on the rafts or something? Or yeah, or or just come up with a better plan somehow. They they went through all this effort to to create this awesome plan, but then you're gonna tell me that they're gonna just swim across the Raccoon Strait? It makes no sense to me, man. But I mean, there it's it's highly possible that the plan was something else, and it wasn't. To just swim across the raccoon strait. And the other point, the the, the really big point, I think, it it is that they they have found the footprints on the sand. Well, according to one document. Yeah. So I okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to say, um, okay, so it's like, who do you believe? The FBI who says that no raft was found. Or do you believe this this long lost document that somebody dug up that says that they found the raft, and it was on Angel Island and with footprints leading away from it? See, to me, I kind of doubt the I don't doubt the authenticity of it, but I almost kind of doubt the the validity of the information on the document mm-hmm. because in the early days or like in the early hours of of the investigation, I think that it's it's quite possible that. Someone who typed that up just heard a rumor or heard some wrong information, and and that's how that's why this report got typed up the way it was. And then when when the actual correct information came in, maybe it had already been filed away somewhere, and it got lost and then dug up. And now people are seeing this in modern times and saying, "Holy shit, they found the raft with footprints leading away from it." Let's just boil it down, man. Like, do, what do you think happened? Do you do you think they made it, or do you think they drowned? Um, and why? Do you have any thoughts, or are you just completely? Oh, I have no fucking idea. Um, I think they've made it, man. Really? 
Okay, so why why do you think they made it? At least some of them. The you think the England brothers made it? on the sand on a, a Asian uh, <laughs> and Angel, Angel Island. Yeah. Angel Island plus the at least two of them were good swimmers. Uh-huh. And uh, if so many people cross the cross the bay to Alcatraz on kind of regular basis, and they didn't have to cross the. This this night they they didn't have to cross the uh, the entire distance, mm-hmm. so it it was like a small just a small part of it. I think it probably was possible to do that. I I definitely I think it's possible, but fuck man, that'd be it's not something I would probably attempt. Just facing if you were up. if you were I mean, to spend life just in going off the top of my dome, they they were only sentenced to prison for ten years or oh something. ten years about ten years. It wasn't for life, but they were they were going to be in there for a while. Um, I dude, I don't know if I would if I would risk the whole rest of my life for just ten years or eight years or however long they were going to be in there for. It just seems like a fucking suicide mission from the start. Unless, unless Alan West is lying and their real plan was something far more reasonable. Like a boat pickup or something. Yeah. Yeah. I could see them somehow arranging someone at a specific date and time to pick them up, maybe even halfway. And I think that's, that's possible. Um, but man, this, this whole idea of, Sailing this this shitty rubber raft all the way to Angel Island and then swimming across the Raccoon Strait from there, God, dude, that's that's fucking gnarly. That's like <laughs> Jack Sparrow kind of thing, you know. Then then you know, just <laughs> fucking gnarly, dude. Yeah. So why do you think they made it? Do you have any other reasons for it? What do you do? You make anything of the photograph from the from the, Brazil? Yeah, allegedly from yeah. Brazil. We we talked about it before, and then maybe <laughs> maybe that 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 family member he was actually supposed to meet that guy or yeah in Brazil or something. I guess you you could be not, right. Definitely not random. But, but then he had to, he had to, he had to change a story if, if to I just bumped into him. Yeah, I just yeah, randomly yeah, yeah, bumped yeah, into yeah, them in Rio de Janeiro, the other side world. of the fucking world. Who knew? Like, come on. So yeah, I I think that the story that he he told is bullshit, but it's either bullshit because he's trying to cover his own ass, or it's bullshit because he just wants to you know attention or whatever. Was there any? I don't I don't know if we're gonna include it or or not, but what is there any way that the government maybe uh it's not about politics i forgot but but anyway we, maybe we'll delete it that for for them um what if it just wasn't cool for them to catch these guys in a way oh are you talking about whether it it would be an, an unpopular thing to yes, drag yes, them back yes, in yes yes uh i don't think that would have mattered to them man i think that Justice I think I think they right? would have rather have dra- as the FBI as an organization. I think they would have rather have been able to find and drag them back in. Yeah, but the government, like the the whole the whole. I guess you the, the argument could also be made though that Alcatraz was supposed to be this inescapable prison. Well, you know, like the 
Titanic of prisons, you know, the unsinkable that sinks, the unescapable prison that someone escaped from. Maybe it, it could have been this ego thing, this thing where the federal government wanted to cover its own ass. But man, I just I think that's less likely than them actually disappearing. And the FBI maybe said, oh, case closed. <laughs> they died. I I just and they, mean, I think they they had good reason to believe that they died, but at the same time, maybe they were just like they didn't want to fuck with it because it would trying to locate these guys would have been like a needle in a haystack anyway. Mm-hmm. And if they can just close the case up quietly, they don't have to spend any resources dealing with it. They can just conclude that they're all dead and move on. What I meant is that wouldn't it be not popular decision, but in the like in the public eye, w- w- wouldn't the population? I I'm well would be more happy if they were just. I don't think it would have been a big deal with the what the population thinks, but I, I think they I think people would would be understanding. Well, yeah, it's cool that they escaped, but yeah, these guys were bank robbers and thieves and shit. We don't want them on our streets anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think there would be any bu- public backlash, especially not in the early 1960s. It was a different time. I mean, people were very, very much more law abiding and oh, respectful of the law I back see. then. So I don't think that I don't think that it would have been an issue. I I, I think you're you're looking in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. So I'll I'll give them 50-50, but my feelings they they they, they go the other way. They they say like maybe it's fifty-one percent that they freaking made it, you know. Okay. So. so you think they made it to Brazil? Or you think it was Brazil that they probably made it to? Brazil, the um, where was the our guy? Uh oh like North Minot. Dakota. <laughs> Minot North. I North think I, I think I would rather be in Alcatraz than Minot, North Dakota, too. <laughs> Man, I heard it's a nice place. They they got like festivals. Well, yeah, there's an Air Force base there, and it's considered to be one of the worst places to be stationed if you're in the Air Force because it's oh. so fucking cold in the winter. It's just so cold. hell. They got B-52s there and shit. But anyway, um, or Seattle. Seattle would be nicer. I've I'd rather live in Seattle than Minot, North Dakota. Sorry, sorry for all the. Um... Guys, who even mind? I I heard it's a cool place, guys. So it's a nice place, man. Yeah, it's a nice place. And Far- Fargo is also in, in North Dakota, right? Yeah, yeah, Fargo, North Dakota. So um, that that that's my conclusion, man. Fifty fifty, one percent for the feelings, and then yeah. So in other words, you're not saying anything at all, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, you killed my argument, man. Uh, you killed it. Nah, but, but, but but you you but you brought up you brought up a lot of good points. But I said fifty one, man. So okay, all right. Okay, fifty one, and one more for the feelings. So it's the fifty two. Fifty two. All right, fifty two percent. All right, man. And you said it's seventy thirty, right? Thirty percent that they yeah, have I'm made. Yeah, I'm more. It. I'm more like seventy percent. Thirty. Yeah, seventy. So thirty plus fifty two. It's. Uh, no, thirty plus fifty. It still won't make fifty, man. Shit. I think. I think the guy. The guys didn't make. They haven't made it, man. <laughs> According to the super mystery bros, they haven't made it. Yeah, according to our calculations, they didn't yeah, make yeah, it. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well.
All right, man. Do you have any clarifications to make apologies or shout outs before we go? Clarifications, apologies or shout outs. Yeah, man. No, no clarifications. Apology. Maybe. Maybe. Apology to John Allen. Because you said I read his, the way I read his letter, it, it seems like I was drunk. I was trying to yeah. act as an old man. But yeah, well, we don't really know if he was an alcoholic. He might have been if he lived, but you sounded more like a like an alcoholic and not an old man. So I've tried to be old man. So John Allen, yeah, sorry. His man. name's John Anglin, by the way, not John Alien. <laughs> John Anglin, shit. Uh, John, <laughs> John Anglin. Yes, yeah, sorry for mispronouncing your name too, because you know sometimes I'm having trouble with. It's fine, man. I think I think our listeners will understand. Well, oh, and uh, shout out, shout out to my mom because she listens to this uh, podcast too from time to time, and uh, if she she'll ever manage to listen us this far, so hey, mom. Yeah, shout out. Shout out to Ivan's mom. Well, I got a couple things myself, man. So, oh, are, are you finished? Yeah, I'm done. All right, man. Well, I got a couple things. Um, I want to apologize to all the people who enjoy concertinas. Um, it's actually a very lovely instrument. I've never played one before, but I actually, I hear good things about it. And also, I'd like to apologize for using the word hobo in the beginning of this episode because our senior producer let me know that this word is no longer PC. So you're never going to hear me say that word again. So I'd like to just apologize to all of our hobo listeners out there. Well, I think it's time to get out of Don't here, man. Don't forget the people of Minot, man. You forgot the people of Minot. They'll be fine. Well, I think it's time to get out of here, man. Like sands through the hourglass, so too are the minutes of our podcast. But don't fret, dear listener. We'll be back again to breathe new life into an old mystery next time. Помните, ребята, истина прячется в тени. Вместе мы найдем ее. This is Super Mystery Bros. man so now we're recording so why don't you do a sound check why don't you rap a, an Eminem song for us or something sound check sound check lose yourself in the music the moment you own it <laughs>